What is up, Cyclone Nation? Welcome to a brand new installment of the Souk Up Summer Series, a much anticipated one. We've been wanting to do this for years, and we finally have the great Eric Heft joining us for today's episode. But before we do that, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Souk Up Manufacturing. You've heard us talk about the Souk Up Safe Tea Home. Of course, that's a shelter that's made, a, it's made from a grain bin. Then it's used for housing, medical clinics, orphanages, and developing countries all across the world. A souk-up safety home can withstand a Category 4 hurricane. 145 mile per hour winds, people. The newest safety home project is a refugee camp in northern Uganda. This camp is for children who have been separated from their parents while they're fleeing South Sudan. This is so cool. This is an Iowa company, everybody. And hopefully their parents are going to hear about this camp. They can go find their children. The camp has 130 souk-up steel buildings that are used for schools and a community center. And interestingly, the safety home is very similar in size to the shape of their traditional homes, except it's made with steel instead of mud and grass. How awesome is that? You can learn more at safetyhome.com. That's safetyhome.com. And you can learn more about how Sukup Manufacturing, a great Iowa company, is making our world a better place. So thanks to Sukup Manufacturing for sponsoring the Sukup Summer Series here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. This is one that you guys will really enjoy. Um, you've, you know Eric Heft as the color commentator on the Cyclone Radio Network. A lot more to him. How did he get to Iowa State? What's the story behind his you know, decades-long career at Iowa State. Let's get some great Johnny Orr stories. All of that and more coming up here on Episode 3 of this season's Souk Up Summer Series. All right, Bloom, it's finally happened. How many years have we been talking about lining something up with Eric Heft? Uh, since we started this. Yeah. So five and he's here. He's in the uh, Bondurant he came home to office. Bondurant. <laughs> Welcome to Bondurant, Eric. Well, hey, great to be here. I'm sitting here in your beautiful uh, home studio <laughs> and uh, staring at all the bourbon on the wall. And, I, and beyond, yeah, I like you guys. I really do. You know, but the reason I agreed to do this was. After listening to some of your podcasts, I assumed there would be bourbon, and I thought maybe I'd get a T-shirt. You know, we can handle that. We'll, we'll work on that. We have, we actually have. Uh, we just debuted in the store today: Cyclones versus the World face masks. Cool. So you can wear those like on the road. Yeah, be a good road. We'll, we'll, we'll ship you some. All right. I, and I saw a rumor on the T-shirt store that. Uh, we might be having something with the old helmet car yeah. on a t-shirt. Yeah. Do you remember oh. that, Eric? Oh, sure. Licensing approved it. I mean, so we, we drew up the old helmet car, right? Mm -hmm. And the shirt just says, bring it back. <laughs> Different era, yeah. though, right? They had that and, and the little car, too. That, yep. you know, Super That's... 70 Sports it, it had that on Twitter the other day about Iowa State's <clears throat> game was, was pretty big back then. <laughs> and then I, I mentioned on, on Twitter the the hot tub in the south end zone, for, which oh, was boy. there for about a year. Were you involved yeah. in that project? I had nothing to do okay. with that. You know, I'm, I'm pro hot tub. I'm not necessarily <laughs> pro hot tub at a stadium. I, you know. Yeah, it was it was short lived. The, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they have like a dog park. At their yeah. stadium. Oh. Like you can literally like just Bring take your dog, dog and just your dog can go and like have doggy daycare mm. while you watch the game. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 93, it was kind of like anything you get fans of the stadium, hot tub included. Pretty much. So. <laughs> times have changed a little How, bit. Times have changed in, in a really good way. In a good now, way. 2020 has not really followed suit there. Correct. But, uh, but yes, I mean... Our fan support has been great, and <clears throat> it was a struggle for a long time. But, you know, mediocre to sub-mediocre football doesn't really lend itself to, to people getting involved. And that's one of the things I think uh, Jamie's done such a great job, and his staff is, you know, even when we first got here, up and down, you know, some good years, some yeah. not so good years, you know, but really focusing on the fan experience and saying, hey, the football's, football game's great, but there are a lot of other fun things, you know, the tailgating and everything. I thought 
I think he did a great job of emphasizing that and getting people there because they realize once they're there, hey, this is fun. Right. It's a great time. And then, then your football team gets better, and it's like, hey, let's, uh, let's sell a lot of season tickets. Let's, let's get 61,500-seat stadium in place, and let's fill it. And Crazy. that's kind of what's happened. What ha- real quick, because I, I can't get this hot tub out of my mind. How did you sit there? Like, what did you have to do to get I, that seat? Okay, first of all, I never sat there. <laughs> like, okay, was, but you're, you're a fan. Like, it, like how did you get that seat? Oh, is it, it a was ra- like a raffle? So you had to buy a ra- like From a 50-50 ticket. I asked yeah. somebody about this. It was like a... Is, that, is anybody owning it, the idea? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. But no, the, the band sat in there for senior day. Uh, so they're in there with, like, their tubas. I don't know if they brought the instruments. Oh, okay. That seems like yeah. a dangerous, dangerous thing. But yeah. um, no, that it, it 1993, I think, was the only year. And it was literally right off the end zone. Here's the deal. that We're going to have somebody email us or tweet into us saying, I, I sat in the hot tub. I would love uh, I guarantee, yeah. guarantee somebody's and going to If somebody has in. an old uh, Polaroid, yeah. of the, I would love to see it. Yeah. Well, first of all, Eric, uh, again, thanks for coming. Yeah. It's good to have you here. The, you mentioned 2020. Um, yeah, man, like, okay, this has been an ongoing conversation that Brent and I have had, but it's been really difficult for me. And I'm, I'm kind of a junkie with this stuff. I've usually read a couple magazines by now. I'm ready to go. Like, have you found yourself? It's like hard to prepare for the season because you didn't know like what's John and I were talking about this on the radio the other day. Like, I kind of feel like it's go time now. Like I can, I can dig in, but like, all summer long, I was just kind of hesitant because I didn't want to, maybe I didn't want to get my hopes up. Like, it's just been weird. Well, the focus <clears throat> obviously has been on, are you going to play? How many games are you going to play? Who are you going to play? When are you going to play? Yeah. And all those things. So naturally, <clears throat> excuse me. You're good. Na- <clears throat> naturally, uh, it takes a little bit away from the preparation. But, you know, uh, as soon as Phil Steele came out, you know, <laughs> I'm in. all over that, you know, and I kind of have a little bedtime reading every night and kind of go through a lot of that stuff. And even though I even read some about the teams that aren't going to play, <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm excited for it. And I would say it's changed a little bit, but you know, for the most part, you know, this is the point where I really start grinding and, and, mm-hmm. and love it. Yeah. What is your impression of how this is all going to work out? I mean, what kind of prep? <laughs> I mean, you talk about the preparation, but even for us on the radio network, it's going to be unique and different than anything you've experienced in your yes. what now 40 some years yeah <clears throat> it's going to be really different for sure <clears throat> maybe i'll get you're right get that taken care of before the first game <laughs> it's good practice. you don't have the road kind of a no it's kind of a trial run for me <laughs> get the get the pipes cleared you're but, good but uh really different uh you know how we do the broadcast i think uh, i mean the football team, you know, and Jamie and everybody, they have their challenges about the logistics of the game. Brent and all of us have some real challenges about okay, how are we going to do pregame? How are we going to do postgame? Postgame is probably the single biggest question right now. How are you going to get to games? Are you going to drive? Uh, it's a long way to Fort Worth. It, and, it and, is. We, and we are driving. You know, so uh, that changes things a little bit, too. You should get the helmet car. <laughs> but we Here comes it, the does, it, does it have cruise control? Yeah. <laughs> the interesting thing is, I've, some people have asked me about this. We are planning to be on site for all those road games for now, too. Uh, for now, you yeah. know, and I, I for a while I didn't think that was going to be possible. But the Big Twelve kind of determines that. It's not something that the schools individually. I suppose if someone you know had a real issue with it, you know, they would have input. But yeah, we'll be there, and you know, I think that's so much better. Uh, other question is, I think as of now. Now, as near as I can tell, uh, Ben will be able to be on the sideline where that was, you know, I know in some leagues that's not possible. But, you know, once again, uh, the Big 12 is, you know, I, I think done a great job of, of uh, hey, looking at the facts, whether you agree with how they've how they've come to their final analysis yeah. about playing or not playing. You know, that's up to any individual. But I think they've done a good job of, of trying to control the things that they can control. And then didn't try to be flexible to make things happen. But now we have serious challenges on our post game. And I think that's going to be interesting to see how we do it. Because normally just for people who don't understand how that works, you right after the broadcast, you run down to the locker room. Yeah. Walk. (laughs) Eric is is an athlete, but you got to get down there and get set up and 
Bloom's always setting up these wireless mics before the game. Right. Well, you can't get in the locker room now. They're not. They're they're basically. I'm not going to be there. Yeah, they're blocking it off. They don't want anybody who's not a player or part of that team. Correct. You know, if it's a coach or a GA or whatever, which is understandable during a, a pandemic. This is the type of bubble we're that they're trying to build. So now it's like, what are they going to call in? Like, what do you? If, I mean, clearly we're we're still working through this, but well, as of yesterday, <laughs> as of yesterday, uh, they're going to have a phone line set up and they'll dial into Jeff City. It's very similar to how we do the coaches' shows on Monday nights. That's how we and, do reaction too. Actually, yeah, okay. yep. yeah. So, so we'll have that uh, set up and. I, they'll bring someone, someone on staff. Now, this is for the home games. The road games are going to be a bigger challenge because there won't be as much staff going to the road games. Yep. Somebody to grab, get players for me. Yeah. Uh, but home games, we'll have somebody to bring the player in. And then they'll be on speakerphone so they don't have to touch anything. And then away we go. I'd like to get a uh, microphone in, like, the big van that all of you guys are riding down to Fort Worth in and create like a podcast series out of this. I feel like we could sell that. Well, you could have run the, always, the, always the entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, man, those, those will be some interesting road trips. So yeah. is that the plan though? You guys are all going to get in a van and just drive or to be determined, but I think that's at least the, as of now, as of now. Okay. Hopefully, by the time we go to Austin, that'll change. Yeah, that's a long. I mean, the, the other drive. road trip, seriously, you know, Oklahoma State. You know, it's not terrible. Not bad at all. O- Oklahoma State and, and certainly Kansas. You know, so those Austin's really even Fort Worth. I mean, it's. I mean, it's what eleven hours in a car, ten yeah. hours. Yeah, you say that like that's nothing. <laughs> I, right. You know what though? The, the reason I say that is because when we started Cyclone Fanatic, we couldn't afford plane tickets to sure. go to any of these places. So I, dr- I drove. Mm-hmm. You know, and luckily with the Big Twelve, it, it wasn't that bad. You just jump on yeah. the interstate and cruise. And I'm used to driving. I mean. My wife's family's from Colorado. My son lives in Denver. I'm from Eastern Ohio, so similar drives, and I've done them many times. But See, it's it's the drive back that's going to really yeah. stink. <laughs> One part of this, and I've gotten to know a little bit of your history with how you even ended up at Iowa State, which I think is is very interesting. We have younger demographic that listens to this. They they know you as Eric Heft, the broadcaster may not know Eric Heft was originally a student athlete at Iowa State and you're from like you said eastern Ohio how does a guy like you end up coming to Iowa State and then you know the rest is history from there well I went to a very small high school one of the smallest high schools in the state uh, but we had good basketball program good good basketball team uh, I was recruited by small colleges and, and I wanted something a little bit better back then this is like when I was in high school in the late 60s uh, in Ohio, you couldn't go to camps. Hmm. So, I mean, you were pretty much on your own. So it was high school or that was it? Exactly. Yeah. You know, now we played a lot of basketball in the summer, but, you know, we also played baseball. We, you know, played all the sports. Uh, but there was a coach. I was born in Marietta, Ohio. First settlement in the Northwest Territory, if you're keeping school wow, at okay. home. Okay, right. Good pull. Uh, I was, anyway, I was born there. Uh, Marietta College was one that was close to my, where I grew up. And the coach there, who had played uh, uh, basketball and baseball at Ohio State, uh, had been there for a number of years, and he was looking. You know, I, he he was recruiting me, and I I wanted something bigger, and I told him that. But I kind of forged a relationship with him because uh, I didn't have my parents really weren't sports fans. That there was no <laughs> any way to really get information about other schools, you know. So anyway, I told him I thought I could play at a higher level, and he said, "Well, I think you can too." And then a few a few months later, after their season was over, my senior year, uh, he resigned and took a job as assistant coach at Iowa State. Wow. He called me and said, hey, here's a plane ticket. <clears throat> you want to go check it out? <clears throat> and I did. And Hilton was under construction. It was like, well, it was best offer I had by far. And it was like, he believed in me. And 
He was my freshman coach. What was his name? His name was Don Kelly. Okay. And uh, so Mike Capabianco came. Don also recruited Mike Capabianco, who was my roommate and best friend and still is. And Cappy was from the same? Cappy was from Canton. So we were were, about an hour and a half apart, but we didn't play. He was in the larger schools, and I was, you know, in the small school division. Because Ohio is so prominent with Iowa State now, how far is that from, like, Massillon or anything? Okay, okay. It's Massillon. Whatever. (laughs) My grandfather. Maslin. Okay, so like for people that's who don't know, Campbell's that's where Matt Campbell's right. from, Kyle and Kemp. Maslin and Canton are uh, five five miles apart. Oh, wow. So. Okay, I didn't it, know that. Okay. My grandparents uh, actually were from Maslin, lived in Maslin. Wow. And my uncles, yeah, so, Holy so uh, I had a lot of connections in, in the Maslin area, too. Maslin's fascinating to me. I didn't know this until I started, you know, researching Matt more, that um, the Vikings GM's from there. Um, oh, really? Spielman. Yeah, he's a massive. It's a guy. football fan. Yeah, it, it really okay. is. So, Eric would know. When Bob Cummings was the Iowa football coach, he was hired uh, in his, you know, his previous job before becoming coach at Iowa, head coach at Maslin. Wow. At a high school? At high school. And, and, wow. and Jerry Faust, another one who from Cincinnati Moeller, Became Notre Dame, went from high school. Those are the only two I can think of that have ever done that at a high level. Hmm. But Bob Cummings had played at Iowa, hmm. you know, with Alex Karras, I believe. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, so you, you Earl play. Bruce. Earl Bruce was the head coach at Maslin. Should really rename that town's nickname to the Cyclone Factory. So that town actually, um, they they got featured. ESPN. Remember they were like searching for title town or whatever. Mm-hmm. Maslin, I, I want to say it was like a final one of those. Oh, sure. Or something like that. I mean, it was uh, the Maslin Canton McKinley game until the end of the season was one of the, the biggest high school football games in the state every year. But, but anyway, yeah. I had no idea that you had that history in like that area. Yeah. But when you came cool. to Iowa State, there, you were you were on the freshman team, right? There was no, you didn't freshman, play as freshman? Freshman, we had our own freshman team and we were good. Uh, and where did you play? I, did you play in Hilton your whole career? I played in the Armory my freshman year. Okay, and then my first varsity game was the first my, was the first game at Hilton against Arizona, and we won. And yeah, but <laughs> it was a different Arizona. Yeah, okay, they were in the <laughs> whack or something. Whatever it was back. I mean, way before their their pack uh, eight, ten, twelve. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Man, so. So anyway, so after my freshman year, I said freshman had a good team. We beat Drake, we beat Iowa, you know, we beat Missouri, we beat Nebraska. Uh, pretty much, we only played like twelve or thirteen games. Uh, and then, but our varsity wasn't very good. They were five and twenty-one. End of the Glenn Anderson era. So the guy that brought me here, the staff was all gone. Hmm. So he was only here one year, <clears throat> and then uh, he became an assistant for Norm Stewart. At Mizzou. Uh, so who is then the next? Was that Maury? Maury John. Then okay. Maury, and then I played my three varsity years. Well, I played for Maury his entire time at Iowa State. Of course, he found out he had cancer five games into my senior year and didn't coach after that. Right. Is there anybody? So I read the uh, the Gary Thompson book that mm-hmm. Chuck Offenberger wrote. Um, Alex and Dylan, they did their 100 things. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is there like a good way? Because I'd love to do this. Just buckle down and like just really without diving through the record books, right? The archives. Like, the is old there any newspapers. good literature out there for maybe younger Cyclone fan? If not, Eric, we need to do this. We need to put some of these stories. Like I'm serious because some of the stuff you're talking about is so fascinating, and Iowa State has this just fascinating history. But it's really difficult to. It's not like unless you have a guy like Eric to like ask questions to. And I grew up in an Iowa family. Like my my family didn't tell me any of this stuff. I didn't know any of this. Well, we should sure do something, you know, but you need to get. I mean, when I was at Iowa State, Johnny Majors, uh, we were, I think, what, four and seven is my freshman year. And then my sophomore year, you know, that was the first bowl game in Iowa State history. Uh, we did get some football guys too, but I was friends yeah. with a lot of those guys, and you know, oh, that was I, a- I lived through that, of course. And then my by the time my senior year rolled around, it was Earl Bruce's first year, so I got to know all those guys, you know. Yeah. And then, and then what didn't you tell us the story of how you ended up on the Cyclone Radio Network? And what we've had podcasts about what the the years look like in the 70s where it was pretty much a free-for-all radio-wise, right? Like you could, It was. And it was in Iowa until the mid-90s. But you know? uh, walk us through 
that period and how you ended up because we've joked and I, I, I absolutely think it's think it's fact you have seen more Iowa State games in person than any other human being I would guess if you think about it oh I've never thought about it but I, well I, I I have but I would but be it'd be hard to I, I, I'd be pretty high on the list <laughs> yeah, you would be but I just think it's you've seen all the iterations here in the last you know 40 plus years but walk us through how you even got involved as a guy that from Ohio that played for Iowa State, and then, you know, what did your career even look like to get you to that place? Oh, boy. Well, when I played, uh, we had a network that was originated by WOI, and Frank Snyder... Uh, so they're talking about radio, WOI. Oh, radio, WOI, okay. correct. Not and, to be mistaken with And they had five. a network, you know, which is... Uh, which was fine, but other people were able to broadcast. KMA started broadcasting. We hired Maury John. Uh, KMA kind of jumped on board. And so they KMA ju- was coming from Shenandoah yes. in Western Iowa to yeah. Ames? Mm-hmm. Wow. And they were originating broadcasts with Warren Swain yeah. and then later Chuck Morris. Uh, Chuck Morris. Chuck yeah. Mo. Yeah. <clears throat> know him well. What, so, uh, Warren Swain, didn't he go on to become like the voice of the Huskers? He was voice of the Huskers. He yeah. was voice of uh, the Virginia Cavaliers. Oh, I wow. think maybe okay. Oregon, too. I think you're okay. right. Uh, anyway, um, so and then KRNT Radio, uh, Pete Taylor worked at, at KRNT TV. Now KCCI, but was, at the time, was called KRNT. And he did some stuff, a little bit of stuff with radio. Where he kind of came up that way. Uh, but when Iowa State hired Maury John, that was a huge deal. I mean, Drake was really good in basketball. 1969, Final that's Four. 1971, Elite Eight. And then after that, that's when Maury came to Iowa State. So there was some, and Hilton was opening, so it was, you know, a lot yep. of excitement around, you know, what was going on there. So KRNT decided they wanted to do uh, uh, Iowa State basketball. So, and they were already doing football. They started doing football okay. the year before because Johnny Majors had the football thing rolling. So, so we had at least three originators uh, hmm. at the time. Uh, so anybody could do it. Uh, the economic model for WI wasn't that great uh, because they couldn't sell ads. Hmm. So it was a because it was a, a, pub- a public, public re- yeah, right. Oh yeah. So they did it. I mean, and I think they did it just to have coverage, you know, for I mean, interest and in, in, public interest. Sure, in it. you know, mm-hmm. and it made sense. But then the commercial aspects kind of took over. So. Well, so we used to travel uh, when when Coach John was there. We would fly somewhere. You know, say if we're playing, <laughs> that sounds strange. If we're playing Nebraska, we would fly from Des Moines to Omaha, hmm. and then drive from Omaha. If we were playing Mizzou, we'd fly either to St. Louis or Kansas City, and then drive. Rent cars. We didn't take a bus. <laughs> so different people. I mean, so you know. Maury would drive a car. One of the assistant coaches would drive, take about four or five cars. Pete would drive a car sometimes. Uh, anyway, so that's how we traveled. And so Cap and I always went with Pete. We had a great connection. So Pete was doing the games when you were playing. Pete was doing the games when I was playing. So we became really good friends uh, through that. And then after I graduated, Pete and I played golf, tennis together. He was in Des Moines. I lived in Ames at the time. But we became good friends. And so... It was probably about maybe four years or so after I, after uh, I graduated. Uh, Rob Williams was the sports director uh, for KSI okay. in Ames. Ames Radio And they did he, he did Ames High basketball, boys and girls. So they really weren't doing girls much at the time, but that particular year, the girls were really good. Actually, went to the state tournament back in six on six days. So. It, he asked me if I wanted to do color with him because he was going to have Gary Wade do it, but Gary couldn't do it. Gary Wade is the PA guy for Iowa State. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Basketball. Exactly. So, uh, Legend, man. We need to do. We need to try and get him on. He's still doing it. Wouldn't that be great yeah. to get yeah. him on so, podcast? It'd be awesome. Yeah. So I told uh, – anyway, so I said, sure, why not? You know. So I told Pete, I said, hey, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to do uh, Ames High Basketball. And – he said, well, hell, he said, why don't you do Iowa State with me? Because he'd always done Iowa State by himself. Okay. And I said, well, I've committed to this. You know, I said, he said, well, oh, let's hold off another year. We'll do it next year. And that's how it started. Wow. And then on the basketball side. So he did that for a couple of years. And then it went to an exclusive contract uh, with KIOA. Hmm. 
because I don't know if you know the name Jeff Wadka. I don't. Jeff was a tight end for Iowa State. His dad, Ed, was a general manager of KIOA, and he was a sports enthusiast. He played basketball at Bradley, I think, with Chet Walker. Uh, big into it. So they got the rights. So Pete and I you know, did, uh, and Mike Schwartz, who was a all Big 8 uh, safety, went to Dowling, great, great guy. Uh, he was doing color on football. So Mike moved to, I can't remember if he moved to Mississippi or Michigan. Anyway, he moved away. And then Learfield got the rights because okay. after three years. What what era is this now? We're, this would have been like 83. Okay. So they, Learfield wanted to bring somebody up from St. Louis to do the games. Mac Uric, Max Urich was like, I don't think so. And they couldn't agree on anybody. And uh, Pete was in the meeting. And so Max said to Pete, he said, would Eric do football? Because I knew Max really well. And he knew, you know. Sure. He had confidence in me that I could do it. And Pete said, I don't know. I'll ask him. And that's how the football thing started. Mm. So so five years of just basketball and then 36 or seven or whatever. His Learfield (laughs) had the contract since? Learfield had it for five years, and then, and then the contract went to Clear Channel. Yeah, okay. So, so Clear Channel had the rights, which is now iHeartRadio. Yes. But Clear Channel had the rights from 1989 through, I'm going to say, 2006. Or Five, six, yep. Somewhere in that era. Yep. And then Learfield had become a behemoth in, in that they're the best in – you know, they, they were the best at what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clear Channel, we did a good job, but it was a radio company. And you yeah. worked for Clear Channel. I managed the property yes. for a number of years. Sold yes. for a number of years, managed property for a number of years. And then um, with Learfield, uh, the, Jamie had a great relationship with Learfield from his previous stops, Wisconsin and Maryland. And, and he liked their forward thinking. And so he basically said, hey, we're going to put it out for a bid again. Uh, but we kind of knew, at least thought that he wanted Learfield. So Clear Channel actually spun the last year or two of the contract off, sold it off, or spun it off to Learfield. And and that was when uh, we were in college. The flagship was 1460 at one point. Correct. And then that's when it went to 100.3. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I remember when that was a big deal. It's fascinating how much it's changed over the years and what what it's looked like then and what it looks like now yeah. so and you've kind of had a front row seat through all of it yeah i've kind of seen it for <laughs> sure it's been a lot of fun i mean geez you know uh, and good people too i think as as the best part of it. oh i've said even counting you you know <laughs> uh, you know that's one of the funny things about you know i mean gosh uh the guys i've worked with basically two guys pete taylor the best friend I ever had in my life. And John Walters, who I love, and he's awesome. And he, he does a great job. They're a little different styles. They cut out pretty much the same cloth, though. Uh, so I've worked with good people. And then you go back to, so who else do you work with? We have coaches you work with. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I struggled through Johnny Orr because that was awful. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we had, we've had so many you, great coaches to work with. Let's stop yeah. you there. Favorite Johnny or story or moment? Because I know you that I that I can tell. I mean, <laughs> you can, we're on a podcast. It's not the radio. You can <laughs> it doesn't I mean, matter. Yeah, no, I mean, you could you no. could censor yourself if you want to. But I, I'm telling you, the best part for Williams and I when we get to hang out with like you and Walters, um, and Mike Green, Tom Crochelle, those that have seen more than us, is the stories from a different time, like the yeah. Or era in particular. I mean, that guy. There aren't enough stories about that guy. I mean, he was just a legend. Yeah, he was. You know, <laughs> but there are. Uh, well, I, boy, I don't know that I have a favorite because if <laughs> I think of one thing and then another thing pops into my head. But, you know, I, I, I loved the, one of the first ones was when he first got here. You know, he, he takes a job. I mean, yeah, he played for the national championship in 1976. Was, was that a big deal when it when it happened? Well, yeah. Well, actually, it was for a couple of reasons. Uh, it was big because college basketball was big, and okay. not like it is today, but big. 
but it was also the first. They just started allowing more than one team from a conference to get into the NCAA tournament when uh. they expanded the field. So you have Indiana and Michigan. So it was big. They, two from the Big Ten playing for the national championship was, was, was a pretty big deal, too. And Anyway, so the next year, John's the overall number one seed, and they get beat, I think it was in the Elite Eight, uh, to North Carolina Charlotte with uh, Cornbread Maxwell. <laughs> I mean, there's a name. Yeah. And, well, that was his name. Cedric, yeah. but he played for the Celtics. <laughs> he played for the Celtics for a long time. Won some titles, yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, well, a couple years later, I mean, he's like the ninth highest paid coach in the Big Ten. Wow. And it was like, and Michigan is a football school. I mean. <laughs> yeah, it still is. It still is, but, you know, uh, they certainly had a lot of great yeah. success in basketball as well. But at that point, I mean, his – his uh, boss, the AD, was the coach he replaced, hmm. and, and he, so he asked Canham if he could, you know, raise. He said, "Not going to happen." You know, well, then Iowa State contacted Johnny, not about hiring him, but about, "Hey, can you help us? Who's a good assistant? Or who's a good guy out here?" And he said, "What are you paying?" And he told him what they're paying. He said, "Hell, I'll take that job." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and he did. And he did. Here we are. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, and then, well, and then, so it goes through the whole, you know, golf circuit in the summer and everything's fun. Uh, and then the first line, though, uh, he said at, at his press conference to open basketball season was, <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> He said, this is a great job. He said, if we just have, didn't have to play those damn games. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Another story he had told kind of related to that first outing. It, they weren't very good. Okay. I mean, they were. <laughs> the rebuild, was a, it was a rebuild job. There was a reason why <laughs> that job was open. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he said, <clears throat> he got home after practice one night and He's having a teeny. He likes to have his martini, and Rami. <laughs> he uh, he sat there and he looked. He looked over at Rami and said, "Rami, we're no bleeping good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this job. What have I done? Yeah. Oh man, I love so those cool. old stories. One one of the things I wanted to ask him about is I always heard these stories. Actually, it was Chuck Morris at KMA always told me. He was the first one. And then I've asked Randy Peterson and stuff about it. Did the Big 12 or the Big 8, did they really used to, like, charter an airplane yes. to fly all the sports riders? The Sky Riders tour. And then they'd all just get drunk in the plane and stuff like that? Like, is this? I was never on. I never went on that. Okay. Okay. Uh, this I, this I is legendary. Got, it is. You know, I, and, and Pete used to go all the time. But, yeah, it was a, it was a you know, five eight day party you know so they just like okay we're meeting in kansas city or, or would they go around and like pick guys up but do you know how that I, I think everybody met at one place and then they, they went, went from, there. from there yeah i but, mean it's media days right it's basically media days yeah like kind of yeah but it was such a different world like now like um the media like there's so much of it and and it's it's just so different, right? Like back in the day, I mean, you had like two newspapers and a couple TV stations and some radio and mm-hmm. everything was like legitimate. Now right. there's riffraff like us, yeah. right? Like that it, it complicates things, but like it, you just, you really needed the media back then. Like it was just a different world. Hey, before we go any further, you know, you asked about how I got started. Yeah. The story of how you got started is a great story too. I'm sure you, maybe you've told it on these podcasts yeah, maybe before, once or twice. But you know about how you know the the kind of the fantasy broadcaster thing, you <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. That and that was an early. Uh, the picture of you and Walters at that deal is epic well, because you look like a baby. Well, I was no, I, I <laughs> it was the neatest thing for me, and I don't know if I've ever told this to Eric, but um, I grew up. I mean, listening to Eric and Pete, like they were. They well, were my idols. Like, that's what I did. Because they weren't and, on TV. And your dad was yep. really good friends with, he always, with Pete and a friend of mine yep, as well. He my, And I never believed him until you verified. My dad would always say, hey, uh, you know, golf with Pete and Eric. I was like, no, you didn't. Like, I thought that was like playing with the president of the United States at yeah. the time. Um, but my dad was involved with the Des Moines Cycling Club and right. got to know mm-hmm. you and Pete through that. But so I grew up listening to Pete and Eric. And I, I was still, though, we, when we covered 
I still remember this. Uh, we worked for Cyclone Nation, so we were just sophomores or juniors in college. And I remember I was going to a, I was at a press conference, and I didn't know Eric at all. This was before the the contest, I think, or maybe it was. Anyway, it's in the same vicinity. Like two thousand four, yeah, two thousand five. But Eric's like, hey, you don't remember this. I, I read your column on Cyclone Nation. I thought it was really good. I appreciate, you know, what you're doing over there. And I was like, that was like getting a compliment from the big man himself. So that was pretty cool. But then I, either around that same time, I won this basically American Idol for a local broadcaster. So I won it on the Iowa State end. And Chris Hassel won it yeah. for Iowa. Right. Um, sponsored by, it was Mediacom was a corporate sponsor for Learfield at the time. So and, I got a, and Clear Channel because we, we were okay. still Clear Channel. It was Clear, it was Clear Channel at the time. And so I got a call. Uh, it was supposed to be four plays for the it was the tornado game, the Colorado game, uh, legendary in '05. And I was as nervous as I've ever been before anything I've ever done. And then the tornado hits. And, <laughs> I mean, I'm in the I'm in the stairway at in the press box with. With you, Walters, and Bob Foster, uh, who was, you know, he's one a legend of the greats, in his own right yep. that people don't know about. Um, yeah. And Bob passed away, yeah. was it last summer? But it was, uh, and then the game restarts. I call a couple of plays. One of them's a, a Brett Meyer to Ben Barkham, a touchdown. And so Walter says on the air, well, Brent, your good luck. We'll have you call a couple more. And the good man that, that Eric and John are, they let me call the final play of that mm. game. So that really. My first real interaction with either of them, and then kind of built a relationship from there with them. But and then he went on an intern with John. Yeah, then I interned with John the yeah. next summer. But it was that, just the the relationship that way. And for me, it was like I was at the peak of my existence of calling a game in the Cyclone Radio Network booth that I grew up listening to. And it's been fun for me that listening to John, Eric, and Pete, and then now get to work with them on a weekly basis. It's like a, a dream come true. You, you know, in that era too. I mean, sometimes uh, things can get stale, and Lord knows that I've done it for a long time, and I'm sure some people think that I am, and and, and, and maybe they're right. But that was an era where, you know, f- over the last, you know, for several years where we had you, Brent, you, you know, uh, Dylan, Alex. Yep. I mean, a lot, a lot of guys. Of I'm missing a couple of those guys now that really brought uh, – Good point. I mean, I thought early on – yeah, you know, always, always with the young guys, the, one of the first things that's hardest for them to really get pointed uh, is perspective. You know, yeah. you say like, "Oh, this guy's got to be the best tight end in Iowa State history." It's yeah. like, well, you have seen two, you know. <laughs> right. and, 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 but as you grow into it, no but, doubt. But you guys have have done so much, you know. I think to expand uh, this base, and certainly, you know, with the technology, you guys are. are, are into that, which, you know, it's kind of passed me by a little bit, but, but I mean, what you guys have, have brought to, uh, Iowa state coverage has been great. All you guys, not just you two, but sure. those other guys too, and going to miss, uh, I, it's yeah, unfortunate because yeah. these guys are really talented. I think Alex, Alex and Dylan and are really talented as no well. Doubt. Yeah. It's it, and it, the coverage that the amount of coverage has changed so much. And, but I, that's what we've talked about on this podcast and others is you, you're worried with 2020 and some of the ramifications there sure. um, that you lose some of those smaller entities. And, and thankfully, Cyclone Fanatic has been able to weather this thanks mm-hmm. to Chris's leadership and some other things. But these are these are difficult times, even for, you know, even the, the big guys. Oh, <laughs> They're having a rough go. Learfield. I yep. mean, come on. I mean, yep. they've got 100 schools, you know, and a lot of them aren't playing. And, you know, no, no uh, games, no, no revenue, sponsors, right? uh, pff, no revenue, no employees. I mean, that's just kind of how it has to work, you know, so. It, in fact, we've actually, it, this seems crazy for me to say, but we're almost at a, we're doing totally different things, by the way. <laughs> But we're almost an advantage because our overhead's so much smaller than like at a Des Moines Register or right, right like with a Gannett or corporate um, type of structure. But yeah, I mean, I, I give Iowa State a lot of credit too. When we came around in two thousand and nine, is when we acquired Cyclone Fanatic, and we we said we're going to change this and we're going to turn it into a media outlet, which was kind of. You didn't really do that independently. Mm-hmm. You were either with Rivals or Scout or you were a newspaper. I mean, that was pretty much how it went at the time. And uh, it was a it was a fight, but we got credentialed. Um, we convinced Tom Cruschel. <laughs> <laughs> you were legitimate. Yep. <laughs> well, I knew Tom yeah. because I worked for Scout for a while right, right. and the Iowa State Daily. I, I knew him. He knew I was 
that I was doing this for the right reasons and stuff, but we convinced them that like we were actually going to create a media outlet out of this thing. And they, they really kind of took a risk at the time because back then we weren't real media. Like there was such a stigma behind anything that was a website. And I think Jamie had a lot to do with it was saying, Hey, like we need coverage for Mm -hmm. at the time. Sure. Iowa state didn't get a lot of coverage back in even the early two thousands. Right. I mean, I something that needed to be enhanced for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they kind of opened the gates and, and let, hacks like us in the building well, so and then I think without that we wouldn't have ever had a chance back to a previous point the growth of the fan base allowed something different these different entities to exist as well i mean the interest level in um, iowa state that you've seen I mean, just look at the football stadium seating in since i since so the seneca wallace the run game i think this is wild for people so everyone remembers that game mm-hmm. you do part of the legendary call i do um, I was the, just there. You were there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pete's Pete, call. Pete, Pete, Pete's call. Yeah. Um, but the attendance for that game, and I would say it was good, uh, was yeah. like 38,000. Yeah. I mean, just, and I would say it was a good team at the time, but the growth in that time period, I think, goes hand in hand. Here. It takes a while to really ramp up the attendance. And that's, once again, that's part of the thing, you know, I was praising Jamie and staff for is, you know, to get more people there. You know, for reasons, you know, football number one, but other reasons are still good reasons, too, to get people to go. But you have to be good for a little while before you really see that growth. And, you know, unfortunately, and fortunately right now, uh, we're in we're in a good place. Question. So you talk about challenges, our challenges for 2020. How would you like to be involved in the ticket situation oh, right now? Oh, gosh. I feel for those. I mean, that is impossible. We don't know. And we're waiting for, you know, we need some guidance, you know, and they want to wait as long as they can and still have time to implement. But, you know, it's such a moving target. You know, we talked about 30, you know, half capacity. Uh, I'll be shocked if that yeah. happens, you yeah. know. I mean, see West Virginia's playing their opener without fans. Hmm. Uh, I don't know that we'll go there. But, but just think what you have to do from a ticketing standpoint to – to to have twenty five percent or even fifty percent and have social distancing and make people happy, oh, as well, which yeah. is impossible. I mean, that's an impossible. Yeah, I will task. say this. You know, yeah, the all some people are always going to be unhappy about something, but I think people are right now say, hey, if I'm in there, <laughs> I'm one of the lucky I, ones. You yeah. Know? So I think I think they may get a, a bit of a pass on that, but just the logistics of doing that is just mind-boggling to me. What what will we've we've all called games in half-empty basketball arenas, mm-hmm. like and I I've never had a problem. You guys did a couple in a ballroom last November. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we sure did. Um, <laughs> I mean the the worst one I've ever been was women's the women's game at Alabama <laughs> last year. I, if there were a hundred people there. I would be shocked. Yeah. Yeah. We've, yep. But I, you can, I've never had a problem with still having energy indoors basketball. What, what will it be like to call huh. a big that. 12 football game, maybe in, in front of no fans? Well, you know, we've done spring games. Yeah. <laughs> and it's weird. It, it is. You know, but that's still way different. Yeah. 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 It, it, I, for that's me, true. for me, I don't think it's going to be that much different. Okay. Now, I I reserve the right to to give you an update on that in a couple of weeks. But but right now, because it's two teams playing football, and and, uh, for me, I mean, I love all the crowd things going on, but for me, it's it's the football that matters. I'm so excited to see this football team. I hope I get to see it. Well, that's a great point. I mean, the spring game is comparable in the fan situation, but – it's you know it doesn't mean anything. I mean, a lot of your best players aren't playing. And you can't and tackle play, the quarterback. You can't right. Can't tackle the quarterback. You can't. Uh, oh, there's just a lot of things about it. If if you it's give up, if, if you give up a big play, it's like well, if you're an optimist, that's great offense. If you're a pessimist, <laughs> our defense sucks. You know. So. Well, I, I'm let's let's kind of transition into the team. Yeah. Are you good with that? I'm I mean, good with that. So one of the things I've been talking to some people. And I'm planning on writing about this later in the week, but with the NCAA's ruling last week about eligibility and the clock kind of freezing for all these guys, um, I both of you start studying the freshmen. Um, this is going to be a year where there's going to be more true freshmen that will play yeah, in history play? because of the need for depth. And it, it, their clock 
it's, and it you're, you're not going to burn them. Yeah. Um, you know, you just Good don't point. like I saw Lincoln so, Riley earlier this week said he basically had an entire position group wiped out. Right. Like it, it's going to be really challenging from that aspect. That is going to be challenging. And I think one of the things Bowlesby said when they said, hey, we're going to play football and then came out with some <clears throat> some of the guidelines in one of the areas. One of the things I think he mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, was uh, reasons for postponement. You know, obviously some type of outbreak. But it could be a position group outbreak. Mm. You know, like if you lose, if you lose, a quarterback room gets hit, you have to postpone the game. You can't play. You know, and so can you make that up? I mean, those are going to be some of the real logistical challenges there. But play foot. Hey, Iowa State's got some freshmen that are going to play no matter what this year, mm-hmm. in my opinion, uh, and beyond the four game threshold that would have been there. So, work me through that that whole freshman thing again. So, so basically the, it doesn't matter if you're playing this year or like the big 12 is, or if the big 10, your clock. So Brock Purdy next year will be a junior. Right. Okay. So, so all the freshman will be a freshman. freshman so he no he would still have five years yes. to play four Every, after that. Everybody's um, status Pause. is frozen. Yeah. Wow. You know, when you talk about times of, Hey, uh, Austerity, or you know, we got to cut this, got to cut that. Just think of the added scholarship cost no every doubt. time you bring a, a, a new class in, you know. But from wow. the depth, that's a, the, they the depth. Need, they a, need those guys. The depth is a critical part here. And, and Eric, we you, we obviously know you've been around a long time. Have you seen a stronger football program depth wise than Iowa State has right now? It just seems like the numbers are as good as they've been. No, yeah. I have not seen it. Uh, this is. I think this has a chance to be a really good football team. Now, once again, uh, you've got the reason the starters are starting is because they're better than the other guys. So you, everybody takes a hit when your top guy goes out almost every time. But to have guys who are near that level or competitive uh, at that level is huge. You know, uh, you know, I know Matt. I mean, so far Matt has been bullish. He's been, he's been bullish in the spring, bullish on the offensive line. Uh, I haven't seen him, so I don't know. Uh, and uh, but to me, that's the single biggest issue for this football team. You know, do they have uh, yeah. certainly top line guys? Do they have depth? Because I mean, when was the last time a team went through a season with with five guys starting twelve or thirteen games? I mean, it just True. doesn't happen. Do you have other guys that can step up? Uh, he is bullish on these guys, and if they are good. This could be a really good football team. You know, we got, you know, we're a little thin at linebacker. It's an area where, mm. you know, we could use a little more depth. I mean, I think our front line guys are, are very good. They got dinged yeah. up pretty good last year, though. Exactly. Yeah. So can you play, so, few, so can you play fewer snaps? Can you, and still, you know, uh, have somebody step in and be effective, you know, but uh, I like the secondary a lot. Um, I think wide receiver may be questionable to some. I feel really good about the wide receiver they core. They love the JUCO. Yeah, well, they uh, he, certainly he, love him. Yeah, you know, you know, and, and Tariq and yeah. Sean Shaw, and, and then you got Porter. I mean, you got a lot of guys skates, uh, skates uh, who have a chance to play. And Landon Acres is still. Landon Akers, yeah. he's back. Still, yeah. still around. He's he's back. He'll, be, that, he'll be back next year. Exactly. <laughs> he's on that eight-year program. Yeah. yeah. So hey, well, I, okay. To lighten it for everybody. I mean, if you're ever going to have a year where the scholarships are frozen, well, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, for real. Like, uh, we're, we're sitting here saying that this is the deepest program we've ever seen. Now, again. What's that going to do to the NFL draft? Well, and this is where it gets interesting, though, because, Eric, like you mentioned, the Brent and I kind of hashed this out on Sunday for our listeners. But it'll be interesting. Like, just because the NCAA – has allowed this doesn't mean that all these individual institutions are going to honor it. That is correct. So, you know, I'm, I'm saying this a little bit in jest, but I mean, if you're going to get everybody back, like this is a pretty good year for that to happen. Right. Yeah. No, no, yeah. That's yeah, well, except ongoing for, except for financially. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Except the financials will come into play. Cause like we talked about, you're looking just a, a single class in tuition, room and board stipend cost of living $50,000 a guy, roughly. Mm-hmm. And you multiply that by twenty to twenty-five, it, it mm-hmm. adds up. So, right? Yeah, I doubt it's the case for everybody, but we'll we'll see. It, I don't have multiply any. that times five years and or four other years. There you go. <laughs> I mean, so what, and other that's other football. Like, what, about football. Exactly. what about soccer? Exactly. Absolutely. Know, and all all that stuff. Man, it's interesting times. What, talk to us about Matt Campbell. You've been around 
every single coach. So who was the first football coach you would have worked with? You would, would you have been the uh, uh, Kreiner? Yes. Yes. Kreiner and onward, we shall say. Kreiner but, and onward. But I, once again, I knew Earl, you know, and I knew Johnny Majors, you know, as a student athlete, you know, I knew both those guys and, and got to know Earl a little bit more after I got out. Uh, so I really liked those guys. Uh, oh, Donnie Duncan. I mean, I knew Donnie pretty well too, actually. Uh, and actually probably knew him a little better after he, uh, after he left, but, uh, yeah, Kreiner was a different cat now, <laughs> but where does, where does Matt fit in? I mean, I think the neat part about at least in our era, which is, you know, 96 and beyond, um, mm-hmm. seems like just good people football coach wise. I mean, from Mac on, I know everybody loved Mac and then Paul. Yeah. Um, obviously Chiswick, there was a little two year hiatus, hiatus in there, but Gene, Gene treated me great. And I've heard that. You know, I, I had no issues with him whatsoever. Uh, he, he, but he wasn't a great fit. I mean, I think that's the thing. And if you look back, I mean, Jamie got a mulligan on that one. Uh, uh, and I think he was, he, he was looking for the fit after that. And Paul was a great fit. And in the end, you know, it kind of crumbled a little bit. Uh, but Jamie's really honed in on guys who are a fit at Iowa State fit with our fan base, fit with our culture, can create a culture that gives you an opportunity to win. And he hit a grand slam when he hired Matt Campbell. Yep. I mean, uh, there's no getting around it. Chiswick, too, uh, he he didn't benefit uh, his personality-wise. Forget football coaching, but the fit type thing you're talking mm-hmm. about. Coming after Mac really accentuated Gene's, like, militaristic personality. Mm-hmm. I thought – because I, I, you know, if you would go in and have like a meeting with Mac, like he'd ask you about your parents, and right? Your, like any, he, he knew names. Mac knew names really well. And I like when you would do that with Ch- it, it's kind of a dog and pony show. They run all the media through and like whatever. And Chizik's right. were like two minutes and get the hell out of my office. That was the experience <laughs> right. that I had with mm-hmm. him. And it wasn't that it was bad. In fact, that was more common probably in the world of college football than the way Mac was. <laughs> Mac was a- but, well, we, but it was just so different, right? And I well, think the fans kind of saw that too. It, we were playing Farmageddon. Uh, Wyatt Thompson, uh, play-by-play guy for a long time at K-State, great guy. And, and so – we were talking in the hallway about uh, roads, you know, how, how you like Paul because he hadn't been there long. And I said, oh, it's great, you know. I said, so when do you do your pregame or, you know, record that? I said, well, we go Thursday and we go 11 o'clock. We, you know, knock it out in about 20 minutes. And then we sit and, you know, BS for another <laughs> 10 or 15, you know. And he says, really? I said, how about you and Bill? He says, I'm in at 1104 and I'm out at 1111. Wow. He's never asked me a personal question. One yeah. time. Huh. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's that was his personality. He was regimented uh, where obviously Paul wasn't that Empire. way and Mac wasn't that way. And, and Matt's not Matt's that not, way. Yeah. So, yeah, oh, that's fascinating. I mean, whatever stuff. works. I mean, uh, Bill Snyder has a pretty good track record. He, he did. But, uh, that, but you, you know, mentioned 2015 there that, you know, kind of crumbled at the end. Uh, that's an unforgettable game for me. The game down at K State. I'll never forget that day. <laughs> Not to had, bring it up. had a couple down there, oh if, if I might. Those Kansas City games were brutal too. Oh, this. Yeah, yeah, the blocked extra point. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, yeah, they were. So on the positive side, maybe get you out of here. Yeah. But uh, favorite, I know it's the the very typical podcast question, but favorite game you've covered on basketball and football? Maybe give give me one of each. Well, basketball, there were you know, a lot of great ones. But, you know, I'm going to go back because <clears throat> uh, of Johnny Orr. And I love Coach Orr. He was great to me and expanded my world in, in dining. Okay. Because we travel. He always wanted to. He, so would you travel he, with the team then? We all, we flew commercial most of the time. Okay. Or a lot of the time, especially okay. the early years. But so in 1986, uh we're playing Michigan to get to the Sweet 16. Yep. Michigan's the number five team in the country. His former assistant's coach in that team. And to win that game against a tremendous Michigan team, uh, I tell you what, I had tears in my eyes for huh. Johnny. I mean, it was – and it was our first Sweet 16 since, you know, since they started. Thompson, yeah. 1944. Four. So before Gary. We had yeah. Ne- we had never – 
That's right. We hadn't been to the NCAA tournament since 1945, I think, 44 or 45, until 85 the year before, and then 86. We get to, so we're getting to the Sweet 16, but just the emotion of of the win for Iowa State. But even more than that, for me personally, for Johnny, yeah, I mean that was a cathartic experience. Yeah. It was it was unbelievable. We're, we had a moment. You and me had a moment when we were down in Fort Worth this year. What I was so was it proud. at Razoo's? It was when uh, no, yeah, great it was when what's his name hit the bank shot that was send the game into overtime. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, for TCU. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I because you, you we can get to a point where you just you get to know these guys and you want them to have success so badly for the like it's not about you it's right and I wanted that team because. Tyrese had just missed the game against who'd they lose to? Um, Florida A&M. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, the whole weight of the world was on these guys and he comes back and Steve was, you know, you, you feel for him, right? Absolutely. They played really well. That they did. game down in Fort Worth. They did. I was crushed. Like I was done. Mm-hmm. I, I was, and you, you, you kind of like put your arm around me after that final call and you're just like, Hey, um, I don't even remember what you said, but it was like, okay, there, there's some wisdom there. Like, I probably should quit hanging on absolutely every play. I've seen a lot. Yeah. How do you do that, though, when you get to know these players as well as you do? These guys, like, in, to still maintain your professionalism and not just lose your mind one way or another on the air. Yeah. That's hard for me. It's hard. I mean, there's no getting around. I care. You know, yeah. it's like, you know, the the – Network announcers, they can do a game and it could be a horrible call or an unbelievable play or something, and they leave and they don't care. Yeah. You know, well, guess what? I care who wins, you know, and it, and it doesn't mean it's going to demean the opponent or anything like that, no. but I mean, I want our guys to win, you know, because I know what they've put into it. Uh, but how do you deal with it? Well, number one, uh, well, how do you think Charlie Brown felt when Lucy kept pulling that football out? I mean, after a while, he's got to know it's coming. That's, you know, and you kind of uh, uh, here's an example. Okay, you talk about my okay my greatest football win. Okay, it's not Nebraska in '91. Okay, okay, it's not that one or '92. '92. Yep. It's not that one, and I'll tell you why. It should be. I mean, Bob Devaney says that week is maybe the best Nebraska team of all time. We weren't very good, uh, to say the least. Uh, you know, but we had guys that fought and played hard. You know, uh, but our talent level certainly wasn't wasn't at that level. And we're ahead. We're ahead like twelve to ten, and finally, after Marv breaks off the big run yep. and Groundhog scores a touchdown, yep. you know, we're up nineteen to ten, and there's like you know five minutes left in the game. I haven't enjoyed this yet, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't enjoyed it because yeah, I know because Char- that damn yeah. Charlie Brown, yeah. that damn Lucy, you know, uh, I know something bad's going to happen. We're going to lo- I mean, it's like yeah. I can't believe And then finally, about the last minute, I think, oh, we're going to win this yeah. game. Yeah, you yeah, can't enjoy it. So, yeah. so, so I, I didn't enjoy that one as much, you know, but you know, <laughs> football, uh, you know, I certainly enjoyed uh the game in Norman a couple years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was that was a highlight. Uh, but on another note, uh, Seneca's game in Iowa City. Yeah, I mean that was Unreal. you're down and if you're in the press box there, it's not always not always maybe a neutral sight. <laughs> It's a road game. That's what it's, it's a road game in the press box at times too. Yeah. Yeah. And just the well, comments at halftime yeah. about hey, including you know Podolak talking about hey, we're going to be we're going to be celebrating here in a couple hours, you yeah. know. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then and 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 Fred Fred Hoiberg was at the game, and Fred comes in our booth and he's watching the second half from our. He was booth. still playing, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah right. Uh, yes, before the NBA before training camps. This is 2002. Yeah. 2002. Yes. 2002. Yep. Anyway, and, and so Fred comes in. I, he'd stop by, and so we score. I said, hey, man, you're staying. So he stayed for most of the second That's half. Awesome. But that win was just, I mean, some incredible plays and just some guys. <clears throat> you know, that was that was big because it is a rivalry game. Come on. There's no getting yeah. around that. And to have one, you know. Uh, over there a, a couple that we've snatched from them basketball you know three or four years ago george yep, yep. <laughs> uh where we were getting our tails kicked i mean 
those are always kind of sweet too. But but basketball, I still go back to '86 is probably one of the one of the best. And football, uh, I'd say 2002. Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite, Brent? I mean, Norman for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, I can't explain the mood for us because we. My favorite part of the road trips is the night before. A lot of times. Yeah. Um, because we. Amen. Yeah, we have a good time and. I, I can just sit there and listen to Eric, John, and nobody talks more than Ben um, Bruns, which you can imagine. But just the exchange of, of knowledge on not only football, but other topics, which get very interesting. Um, but you're a 30-point underdog, and you just found out your quarterback's not going to be there in Jacob Park. It's like we th- we thought this could be well, as ugly as it could get. Baker Mayfield. I mean, and then right. the way that thing transpired, the second half, or the, I guess the fourth quarter, was just surreal because you're like, this isn't really going to happen, is it? And it did. So, the wildest yeah. part about that game, too, is half the fan base, prop, maybe more, didn't know who Kyle Kempt was. Uh-uh. Yeah. When did I, you... I, I remember that, like, on Twitter before the game, when right. put out, okay, Kyle Kemp's the starter, people were like, who? Yeah. Yeah, what, walk us through a little bit. Because, like you said, a lot of times, well, we do tape the Matt pregame on <laughs> Thursday just for his time, and that was just an uncertain week that... Nobody right. really knew what was going to happen and who even the quarterback was going to be. Yeah. We didn't know. Yeah, we didn't know. I didn't know until uh, Jacob's not on the plane. That's that's that a tip off. <laughs> that's a tip off right there that this may not this may not turn out all that well. well yeah. Uh, uh, but it, it turned out unbelievably well. And everybody thought, well, uh, Zach or Zeb uh, Nolan Nolan yep. was, was going to be the, probably be the quarterback, that's but right. he went with a more older, more experienced guy and. Wow, what a yeah! That was, that was a fun but yeah, one. I mean, that's a tough one to beat too. I I was down there a couple other times. We missed uh, a twenty-yard field goal to beat them, like in eighty-one or two somewhere. Alex Giffords misses a freshman. Maybe it's seventy. Maybe it's even a little earlier than that. Seven-seven game against Barry's wishbone and had a chance, and then. We won in 1990 with Chris Peterson, Peterson yeah. running uh, 25 quarterback draws. <laughs> Effective, and then, effectively. And then should have beat him in, what, 96, 7? Yeah, one of those years. Right. One, of, one of the Chiswick years, um, we had him right down to the wire. Yeah, that I think was, that was up That was one of those hold-your-breath games I yeah. know that Lucy's going to take the football. That was yeah. the same Bradford 2007, I think. Yeah, Man. I remember Jim Ross on the sideline of that I, game. I still maybe the best words of advice Eric's ever told me is after one of the painful games. Maybe it was the Baylor game in thirteen when, uh, which is still my maybe my favorite call for not a good reason. Oh, uh, when and oh, I, I have God. the audio. Maybe we can maybe we can insert it in there. Where yeah, Iowa State send it to me. I'll put Iowa it. State scores to make it sixty three to seven, and <laughs> Iowa State had never lost by more than sixty points. And so John says there's one kickoff remaining. John says well. Eric, at least Iowa State avoided the the biggest loss in school history. And Eric goes, "Well, there's the kickoff." <laughs> and then, and then John, John's like, "Well, you're right." And then Eric says, "Just kick it out of the end zone, Edwin, Edwin Arceo." He doesn't. Uh, Coleman for Baylor ended up playing the NFL for a little bit. Takes the kickoff, returns it for a touchdown. Then Walter says, "Eric, you are a savant," <laughs> and just laughter. I mean, it was. Hold on, it, we'll play the auto right yeah, here. We'll play it right here. <laughs> With his first touchdown as a Cyclone, Grant Roach with his first touchdown pass. And the Cyclones avoid the shutout and avoid the worst margin of defeat in school history. Well, so far. Well, I can't, well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. Yeah. Uh, Rojas. Come on, Edwin, just kick it out of the end zone. I don't want to see a return. End over end. It'll be taken by Coleman at the three-yard line. Coleman angles left. He's to the 15, 20, 25, 30. Oh, no. Here he goes. Across midfield to the 40, to the 30. Coleman is going to take it all the way for a touchdown. You are a savant. Unbelievable. And it's 70 to 7, Baylor. And I'm yeah. guilty of being that guy that walks in and say, "Hey, there's a no hitter going on." <laughs> but yeah, there you the, go. And then Good Eric, call. I think, it was after <laughs> after that game on the on the charter flight home. Eric said to me, and, and pardon me, Sukup, for allowing me to to say one one bad word. 
Uh, Eric said, Bloom, I've seen a lot of shit. <laughs> that was some shit. <laughs> and, and I said, that's, uh, that's wisdom to a T. So it just, I mean, just a blast. And I'm so thankful and grateful that I've my, been able to my favorite be part along for the ride. Of those memories. Um, so we were always waiting with, with Cyclone Reaction and we're listening to the, how many interviews did you have to do with Jeff Woody that year? <laughs> <laughs> he, he'd be like, "Yeah, Jeff had two carries today for four yards." Uh, yes. All right, Jeff. You know what happened? You know when you're in sales, uh, <laughs> and it also goes to when you're looking for uh, people who are willing to talk to you after a, a tough during a tough season after yeah. a loss. I mean, there are prospects and there are suspects. <laughs> <laughs> you're just praying to find a prospect to talk to. Oh man. <laughs> Some of the conversations we have off the air of, oh, that guy didn't want to talk to me tonight. Uh, so it's good times, though. I just got to love it. I always love, too, the post-game interview, the old Mac ones. <laughs> Mac would always, you know, he'd always make a positive. Yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Ah, I mean, if you look at it, in the, we outscored him in the third yeah. quarter. Uh, I love those. Yeah. I love yeah. Mac. I well, miss Mac. Well, Mac, uh, there was a time when <clears throat> we were playing Nebraska one year in Lincoln and early Mac. Uh, not a good day. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the wind's blowing idea, about yeah. 25 plus miles an hour. We take the opening kick, uh, a quick three and out. Anyway, there's there's 10 minutes to go in the first quarter, and we're down 21 to nothing, <laughs> and we haven't turned it over. Okay. <laughs> and okay, so Brutal. so Mac's wife Margie, uh, she didn't always like being in the AD's booth, so she. Uh, would be in our booth. She actually was watching the game from our booth, actually sitting between Pete and I. And it was about that point when she looks over at us during the commercial and says, I don't know how you guys do this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Vicky Rhodes uh, used to come she in. Would, yeah. she, she, she was in our booth all the time, too. She was intense during those games. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, we all are. Good times. Yeah. It was yeah. fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, okay, we need to do this again, and we'll break out the bourbon collection. Then. We'll right. Do, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, Hard to do okay. it in the, in the middle of the day, but we can do next time. Yeah, yeah. I thought the timing was really kind of messed up yeah. for this. We got to get, get Eric to his. Uh, Eric's going to go shoot seventy two somewhere. Yeah. yeah, early. Golf game holding up. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, uh, I guarantee I'll shoot seventy two. I just don't know how many holes I'll have left you know, when I hit that. But thank you, my friend. Yeah, thanks, right. Eric. Yeah, a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, we appreciate it. We'll do this again sometime. Uh, Bloom and I will be back on Sunday night. And uh, we'll probably do another summer series next week. Topics, we're, we're open for topics, right? Always. Yeah, tweet them at us. Thanks, guys.